Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina post-game podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, and of course, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. You got to visit them, and if you're a premium subscriber, you get 10% off all those orders. My guest knows what I'm talking about. Love some Johnny T-Shirt. Mr. Sherelle McMillan joins the post-game podcast. What's up, Rail? I'm doing well. How are you? And I do love Johnny T-Shirt. I saw that Yield Waffle Shop is closing down. So let's support Johnny T-Shirt. Like yeah. everything's leaving fragrance that we knew. Yep, exactly. I preach support local, buy local. I try to do it um, every day and definitely when I'm in Chapel Hill. So spend your money on Johnny T-Shirt. If you don't need anything, get something from Johnny T-Shirt anyway. Give it to somebody that does need it. It'll be a great gift. It'll ease your mind, and it supports the local business um, in every way possible. Because like Rail said, if Waffle Shop can go, anywhere can go in, in Chapel Hill. And that's a sad day when the businesses that we've all known and loved start going. Let's get off the reminiscing reminisce a little bit, Sherelle, and talk about what we just witnessed. Carolina came and won the game 67-63, and I'll be honest, uh, I give them credit for pulling that one out because, wow, it was not pretty. Any, any way you put it, not very pretty ball game, but Carolina gets the win. What, what is it about uh, ugly wins and pretty losses? I mean, yeah. that sums up this game pretty much perfectly. I mean, like, you know, it, I will say shooting from the field, they ended up shooting, you know, a, a pretty decent percentage. Um, but the turnovers, I mean, they were just – some of them were just kind of mind-numbing. You're like, you know, what are you seeing out there? And I think that is a function of a few things, and not to excuse make or anything, but this is the third game of the season. Um, this would this typically, I guess, would be the first game of the season because they would have had a secret scrimmage and then they would have had an exhibition against someone. So they're still trying to work out like how to play together, uh, what people's roles are going to be. And that's something that's going to be uh, continuing on for the next few weeks until things start to uh, kind of stretch out and people realize what they can do and what they can't when it gets to ACC play. Um, but, you know, you, you give them credit for the win. Uh, it was as ugly as it can be. I don't think anyone will ever want to watch that game uh, again. The refereeing was inconsistent. It also just took over the game completely. There was no flow. There was no opportunity really to watch anyone play up and down the court. Um, so that was frustrating. So all in all, it was a win, and I don't think you can take much, much more from it than that. Um, we'll try to, but I think that's, that's the main thing is that they won the game and they're playing tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, playing in a Texas team that looked pretty good, and they'll have to step it up and play uh, a lot better than they played today, I think, or look for another ugly one tomorrow. Let's talk about the turnovers, and I understand it's sloppy, and I understand that um, what's going on, but these guys have been practicing together for a long time now, and while they haven't had but a couple live games, I mean, you look up and down the stat sheet, Leakey with four, Caleb Love with five, 
RJ Davis with three, Baycott with four, Sharp with three. I mean, even Kerwin Walton got in on the action with a couple. 24 total turnovers, if I'm looking at the stats correct. And, and quite frankly, I have to double take it because I can't believe it. I, I mean, Roy Williams, <laughs> you mentioned pretty ugly losses and ugly wins and pretty losses. I guarantee you he is on fire after this one. Yeah, because a lot of it, there wasn't a ton that was forced, I don't think. I, I mean, Leakey had a few that were forced, uh, but a lot of them were just guys either, you know, standing around or throwing soft passes um, in open passing lanes. And Stanford showed against Alabama. It was their first game of the season, but they showed they're a very good defensive team. They've got some length. They have some athletes. So it, it's, I, I don't know if maybe it caught them by surprise, the size and, and length and athleticism and, and defensive play of Stanford, but you would have think that, you know, in the second half, they could have adjusted a little bit. And it just never seemed like they were valuing the ball. And, and that, that, is, that is, you know, Roe Williams talks about toughness all the time. And people think toughness is falling down on the floor and, you know, convulsing and, and doing backflips and stuff. But toughness is just throwing a really good pass when the situation gets tough. And that's something that these freshmen will learn, especially the freshman guards. Uh, they had nine turnovers between them, and they only had three assists between them. So that's not good. That's really, really bad. But I think that's something that they'll continue to learn and, and they'll improve upon. And the fact that they were able to win, and they won um, because they made some plays late. Let's talk about a couple guys individually. Caleb Love, I asked Michael Brooker and Dewey um, after the first game and then again yesterday, who's going to step up and take shots for this North Carolina team? Well, Love took 18 of them, only made six, but certainly um, – Maybe a couple were questionable, but he is certainly not afraid to put up shots. And then Davis, R.J. Davis, I think as well, only three for eight. But these two guys are showing they're not at least scared of the moment. They may not make the best decision, but they're not scared of the moment. Right, and you would rather have that kind of tendency where someone is maybe a little overzealous than someone who is scared or someone who doesn't want to take the open shot or, or doesn't want that. So I, th I think that's a positive that they have that mindset already. As far as Love is concerned, I mean, he had that nice stretch in the second half. I think he hit a couple of threes and had a floater. Um, like we, you know, we talked about, he is a work in progress as far as it comes to, you know, being a true point guard. And, you know, we go back and forth about that definition all the time. But uh, he's getting there, and it's, it's going to take some time. You know, Carolina fans have to realize everybody outside of Cole Anthony, um, their first few games are, are, are a little rough. And even Cole Anthony, you know, after that first game last year, his game against UNC Wilmington was not pretty either. And it's just uh, a part of getting used to playing point guard for Roy Williams. It, it, you know, we, we've been doing this a while, Tommy. So at this point in November, it, it's always kind of where we're like, yeah, this guy's he's thinking, he's processing, he's trying to learn. And then at some point, most of the time, a light bulb goes off. And that's when you see someone going from thinking to reacting and just moving and playing basketball. And it takes time. It, it just, it's one of those rites of passage that everyone who plays at Carolina and plays under Roy Williams has to go through. And you're kind of seeing it play out live. Yeah, and, and we're seeing it more so than we would any other year because they're doing it live on ESPN, whereas maybe in years past they're getting it done in a secret scrimmage or getting it done, getting all those bugs worked out. Speaking of love in the second half, four for seven for 12 points, he hit a couple threes in that stretch you're talking about. So he stepped up in that second half to sort of match De Silva's 13 in the second half for Stanford. But looking down the box score, uh, you know, we talk a lot – about Leaky Black, and he's a guy I can't figure out. I'll, be, I'll freely admit, um, he's got all the physical tools. Um, 
and he looks like at times he's going to turn it around and really explode and do the senior year thing we always talk about doesn't normally happen except for guys like Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks. Um, but then he makes a, a tough drive late, and then he hits one of two free throws to put it out of reach. I know that we've talked about him enough, Sherelle, but what have you seen thus far this season um, that's really any different than what we've seen in years past? Well, he's much more physical, I would say. Um, I think he had 10 rebounds uh, last night, and then he had another seven today. And part of playing the wing for Royal Williams is being a good rebounder. Now, uh, you know, he needs to just learn kind of what his shot is and when to take that. I think that is um, something that's ongoing. And he's got to be better with the ball, frankly. Um, for someone who, you know, has played some some guard in his career at, at North Carolina, started some games at point guard for North Carolina, he's just got to take care of the ball better. And I, I think he will. But, you know, um, you know, there's there's good and bad. and and that's kind of been the leaky black experience thus far. Roy Williams continues to rave about him, you know, whenever they talk, but whenever he talks in, you know, post-game press conferences and uh, during media availabilities, but I, I just think leaky has to continue to grow and just, you know, just be smarter. And I think he can do that. And I think he will. Um, the, the issue is, is that right now North Carolina doesn't have much perimeter shooting outside of really, you know, three guys play tech, um, R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. And there are times when Leakey is open, and I think maybe <laughs> the coaching staff maybe doesn't want him to take it, and he doesn't want to take it, and the other team knows he doesn't want to take it. <laughs> so he's just got to kind of figure out how to, how, to, um, how to work from the wing when he's open. And a lot of that is moving without the ball, cutting. You know, there were a couple of times where he drove to the basket. It looked really good um, on the, the play towards the end of the game to put Carolina up three. That was a really nice drive. And then he had another one um, in the first half. So I think that's something he needs to try to do more of. I'm just waiting for him to drive and stick it on somebody. I mean, it's got to happen, right? Maybe. I I don't know if he's, I don't know if he has that kind of athleticism. He's obviously athletic, but I don't know if he has that in him. And it's not a bad thing. You know, Um, we've said it over and over again. Like it's blue guys are cliche, but blue guys are important. And he can be a, a plus blue guy, glue guy if he continues to rebound the way he does, um, which has been phenomenal, and continues to play good defense. You know, there are a couple of lapses, but overall, I think he harassed Zaire Williams pretty well. Um, and then it's just a matter of, of picking his spots offensively. Yeah, I mean, you, you get if Leakey gives Roy Williams seven, between seven and ten rebounds a night, and, you know, between six and ten points a game, I I think that's great. Uh, I, I mean, mean, I think that's his thing. You can't have the four turnovers like that. Right, right. I mean, his stat line tonight, if if he could give Williams that every other game, they would take it all day long, except for those four turnovers. I mean, the, and it felt like more than four, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but They gave some of those to the bigs, I guess, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, he was three or five from the field, four or six from free throws, seven rebounds, ten points. I mean, they would take that all night with the defense he's capable of playing. He's just got to be stronger with the ball. Yep, indeed. Looking at a guy who's gotten much better, um, and I didn't talk about him yesterday, and I swore I'd talk about him today if he did anything. Baycott, four for five again, two for three from the line, ten points. What, nine rebounds? No, six rebounds. Six so rebounds. Ten and six for Baycott in 20 minutes. You can't beat those numbers either for a guy that's basically gotten lost in the Brooks-Sharp-Kessler discussion thus far this season. 
doesn't he look stronger and, and faster and more agile and the move you know, he made where I guess Valentine caught him for the chicken wing. I hadn't seen him do that in two years at Carolina. Right. And uh, last night he had kind of a, I'm not sure what it was. It was kind of a spin move with a little um, finishing off the wrong foot kind of deal. Yep. Um, but he just looks more polished and he looks more comfortable and he looks stronger. And it's funny because North Carolina's post situation is such that, I feel like after every game, you're going to look at the bot score and you're going to say, oh, man, that guy should have played more minutes. Last night, it was Walker Kessler. It, you know, he looked good. Um, he didn't play as well today. But then Baycott, you're like, man, he, he had a good game. He only played 20 minutes. They need to give him some more time. Last Wednesday, it was Dayron Sharp. It was like, man, it, they've got to start Dayron. You know, I, and I think that's the value um, in having such depth and talent in the front court is that on any given night, you know, you never know whose number is going to be called and all those guys can step up. Now they need to find really what they need to find is another guard who can come in and do that for them. You know, play tech has been solid, but um, if Anthony Harris can come back and be healthy, then I think this team really kind of takes it up another level. Yep. You went where I was going to go there. Let me mention Baycott again, though, right fast on the year. He's 86% from the field, 82% from the line, uh, 33 points, 19 rebounds. He's, I'm telling you, if he can give that quietly every night and then explode a couple times and stay out of the silly foul trouble, I think having Kessler and Sharp on this team, Sherelle, is the best thing that ever happened to Mondo Baycott. Oh, for sure. And it's been brought up, you know, during the telecast and everything, just about how, um, you know, going against those guys in practice is going to make you better. And, you know, last year there just wasn't the talent level for him to go up against in practice um, and for Garrison Brooks to go up against in practice. And now they have it. I mean, we're even leaving out, um, you know, Walker Miller has, has done some things in practice. And I think it just, there aren't many teams whose fifth or sixth big, you know, is a seven footer who had Ivy League basketball offers. You know, you just don't see that often. And so that's very beneficial for, uh, the North Carolina team. I, I just think they'll continue to get better and better. Um, they, the high-low game is, is something that's evolving, I think, and uh, they've got to get better uh, handling double teams. But the more they see it, I think the better the better they will do with it. Yeah, I saw early in the game, and Carolina wins 67-63. Of course, this is the post-game podcast on Inside Carolina, Tommy Ashley and Sherelle McMillan. But Carolina, I think it was sharp. Early in the game in the first half, he gets doubled. He immediately goes 45 and hits, I believe, R.J. Davis for open three. Uh, to your point about Anthony Harrison, they've got to have guys that can do that consistently. And, and Playtech, you know, I think could make more threes. I don't know if he will, but if Harris comes back and can at least consistently knock down open threes, I'm not talking about make crazy uh, – you know, defended jumpers like Cole Anthony tried and made, quite frankly, a lot last year. Just the consistent open looks. Uh, how much different than, does this team look? Obviously, they're 3-0. and um, We're going to find out a little more about them tomorrow because Texas is going to be the best team they've played. Um, but if Carolina can figure out that portion, this three-point shooting deal in the land of college basketball these days, they've got to get it. Is Harris a guy that can at least come in and – if not offer that, at least take some of the pressure off guys like Love and Davis and maybe even Playtech. I think so. Um, and I think it'll be reflected in, in minutes played, I think, is a big deal because, you know, the more minutes you play, typically your legs start to leave and it's harder to make jump shots. And <clears throat> our, uh, Caleb Love was at 36 minutes tonight um, and uh, R.J. Davis was at 34 probably would have been in more if he hadn't gotten into foul trouble. Um, so those guys are playing a lot of minutes and 
you know, they haven't played a college basketball schedule before, even though this year is different. Um, it's just different on the body to, to go against these type of players. And some guys are, are grown men, 22, 23 years old. It's just going to be unique for them. And you have to start to, I think, at some point, um, you know, monitor th- their body to make sure they're not playing too many minutes. And that's where Anthony Harris, I think, will, will help a ton, as will the development of, of Corbin Walton and, and Puff Johnson to some degree. That'll help with that. So it's just taking time, I think. You see that Black and Love were ready right away to play. And as the other ones come along, I, I think it'll help help uh, the entire team. And, you know, Harris, I, I think he showed last year, you know, he can hit an open shot. And, again, with this Carolina team, you don't have to shoot 40%. You don't have to shoot 38. You know, you just have to – you have to be competent. You have to shoot 35 34%, keep defensive honest to, to give the big guys some room to work. And sometimes a, a missed shot uh, is uh, the best offense you would see because it has so much size. So um, just be a willing shooter. If you're a willing shooter, then I think good things can happen for you and see either the basket goes in or 25 30% of the time they're going to get the offensive rebound. Yeah, that was that's a great point about offensive rebounds, especially I think they said, was it last night they rebounded 54% of the misses? I mean, just get the ball up on the rim. Right, right. And uh, you, reminds, you make a couple great. If you don't, you're probably getting a layup out of it. Yeah, it, it reminds me so much not to go into back in the day, but the, <laughs> the Marvin Williams game. Um, what's forgotten about that game is that Shamay had like 24 rebounds. And at, at, at some point in the game, Raymond Felton, I think, realized he was like, you know what? if I miss a shot, Sean's just going to get the rebound. So I'm just going to start throwing it up there. And that's, you know, that's kind of, that's how Marvin got the shot was just a Raymond Felton miss. Sean may kept it alive. Um, so this team, I, I think can adopt that to some degree. Now you don't want to be taking just awful shots, but <laughs> you know, there is some, some comfort and some flexibility in knowing that you have those guys down low who can pick up a missed shot and put it back in. So that's big for the team. And that's kind of how they're going to have to function. Um, you know, kind of moving forward until some of the younger guys can can get ready. Yeah, I mean, as long as you got somebody back, either Davis or Love are back, then somebody can put it up on the board, and then the other team doesn't get a run out, and you got good chance with right. Sharp and all those guys in there. Last point I want to talk to you about, and you know, we're going to talk about a, an opponent player, Zaire Williams. This is a guy that all over the message boards, people are talking about. Obviously, Carolina um, was heavily involved in. Carolina will see a guy tomorrow night that um, got a little bit of recruiting interest. Um, but you, you covered Zaire Williams forever. He looked good last night. I did not think he looked healthy tonight. Um, and then, you know, of course, TV Teddy got in his head a little bit yeah. on the technical. But, I mean, what do you see for a guy like that this year at Stanford? I'm not sure if he's healthier now, like you said. Uh, you know, we were talking offline that brace he had looked like something an offensive lineman would wear. <laughs> um, so it's really limiting. And I, I think you could see it. He didn't seem quite as spry, you know, very careful, you know, where he got teed up on the dunk. Just He was trying to make sure he didn't you know, do anything to his leg or to his knee, wherever it's hurt. Um, but I also think Leaky Black played some tremendous defense on him, and I think he bothered him. You know, he's not used to facing guys who – can move around in the perimeter who also have the same height as him. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be a great player um, pending his health because he just, to me, he did not look healthy. And the kid, I wouldn't call him explosive, but he's definitely more athletic than he showed tonight. So <clears throat> I hope he, you know, heals and, and gets well. But um, Liggy Black's defense definitely was a part of that. And really Carolina's defense as a whole is probably a storyline that needs to 
start being talked about a little bit because they they won very ugly and they won because of their defense after uh stanford took that lead i think they went up five you could just see a, a shift in the defensive intensity and focus and that's what really when uh they were able to seize the game again i think it was 58 53 maybe something like that mm-hmm. yep and they took over so this would be the last point roy williams talked about uh, I know we'll score and we'll, you know, hang a half a hundred <laughs> on somebody to make Barry Switzer reference. But this is a team that hadn't really scored it like we've expected, but the defense I think has been better than I expected at least. Yeah, I, I agree. And you know, it's weird because in the scrimmage, he was just talking about how they couldn't stop anybody and how great the offense looked. And to me, outside of that stretch against UNLV, that first five minutes, the defense has been the overwhelming story. I, I think that's where, uh, to me, Caleb Love has shined a, a good deal, uh, very mature, and has, has played really good on, to me, has played really good on the ball defense. And then uh, when you're able to funnel uh, players in, into the lane to those bigs, you know, there's a lot of blocked shots. Uh, the length makes it tougher. So I, I think they have a ton of potential to be a really good defensive team. Um, but I am surprised that they, they haven't played as good on offense yet. Uh, but I, I still think that's coming. Yep, indeed, I think it's coming. Just to prove the point of defense, uh, De Silva hit a shot, go up 58-53 with seven minutes left and some change. From there, uh, Stanford, I believe, if my math is correct, was one for ten yeah. to finish the game. And Carolina mm-hmm. locked them down and got rebounds and did not mm-hmm. allow them second chances. Carolina wins, moves on to Stanford. You've been listening to Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Rate us, review us, subscribe. We'll be back on YouTube for the Game Plan podcast. Looking forward to the football game. But for now, the legend, Sherelle McMillan, and just the host, Tommy Ashley, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Sherelle. What was that uh, Western on Saturday? Was that minus 49 and a half? Has it gone up to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know what you guys are going to talk about. Good luck on that one. We'll make something up. We'll, <laughs> All uh, right. we'll talk about Notre Dame since most folks still are. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Bye. Yep. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.